What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode 104.1, and we're continuing our playthrough of Assassin's Creed Origins. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. And yeah, we're going to keep on keeping on here. So last thing we talked about was we had killed, we had accidentally killed everybody that was on our hit list. <laughs> uh, or, or, or I wouldn't say accidentally. We had a lot more on there, but we didn't realize that um, Bayek's wife had killed two of the guys. So that shortened our list a little bit there. But um, we're not done uh, by a long shot um, because, uh, well, Bayek's wife... Um, has secretly been working with uh, a few people, uh, particularly um, the exiled queen, Cleopatra herself, um, has uh, been uh, basically trying to come up with a way to get rid of this shadowy group of people. Um, and we get invited to to meet with Cleopatra to talk about uh said uh shadowy group um and it's uh you can tell this is kind of like the beginning parts of the assassins and the templars um yeah it's uh it plays out a lot like that it feels like to me like they're getting ready for the introduction of this kind of thing. Obviously, this is the origin story, I would assume, of the assassins. So, yeah. Um, Pretty good name, then. Good yeah. Name. I'm trying to think. God, what was it called? The 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 Ancient Ones or something? What did she call the group? The Order of the Ancients? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um... And uh, the the people that we killed were just some of the smaller people in this larger order. Uh, and this order is actually the ones that's kind of pulling the strings. So Ptolemy um, is basically just a puppet in their game. He, you know, everybody thinks he's just ruling the 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 countryside with an iron fist, but it's actually he's taking orders from this order. Uh, and in the process, exiled Cleopatra, so she's no longer ruling. And Cleopatra decided to join up with the Greeks uh, to basically have an alliance to go against Ptolemy. Um, so, which correct me if I'm wrong, Ptolemy is Greek, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, because. Wasn't the the all the kingdoms that Alexander the Great took over were divided between a bunch of his subordinates, and one of them was Ptolemy? Mm, Am I forgetting my? <laughs> I, th I feel like I'm forgetting my ancient history for some reason. I think that's the case. I can't remember. Maybe maybe somebody who's listening to this can shed some light, or maybe I just need to go to Wikipedia. But um, I'm pretty sure Ptolemy was one of like Alexander the Great's subordinates. Yep, one of the successor kings. There you go. Says. 
I mean, obviously, Alexander the Great was years and years and years and years and years previous. I, I don't think this is the same Ptolemy. I think this is like Ptolemy the third or fourth or something like that. Um. So yeah, uh, she's. I guess she has Greek help. Um. I don't know, but she gives us another list. That's the most important thing. She gives us another hit list. Wants to take out these guys who have been basically instructed to be almost like mayors of these regions or governors of these regions who are trying to take them over uh, in many different ways. Uh, so you have uh, code names, all the code names. So you have the scarab, you have the hyena, you have the lizard, you have the crocodile. And there's one more, right? Or is there just four? Uh, there's just four. There's just four. Okay. So, yep. yeah. Uh, and you do them in that order. You do scarab, hyena, lizard, then crocodile. Um, and we're tasked with figuring out who these guys are. We know the general area that they have been sent to kind of take over, but we do not know who these people are. So we got to figure out who they are and then, well, take them down so uh the, obviously via the quests that we have the suggested levels for these things are, are told to us and obviously you can't take on the crocodile because well that's like i think it's like level 20 28 they suggest that and at the yeah. current moment I'm 28 like, i was like oh man usually one or two levels i can get through with some side missions but we were what 18 at that point somewhere around in there yeah if you if you take on an enemy that's three levels higher than you, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Yeah. This game doesn't mess around with its levels. Um. So I uh, got those four quests to take out those targets, and said, "Nope, I'm going to the pyramids." <laughs> yeah, I, I started to get really excited when, you know, when you see them, when you then see them in your panoramics when you're at the viewpoints. When when it splashes on my screen and tells me that I'm at the Sphinx, I'm in Giza, and I'm like, holy crap. This is, like, real. I'm here. It's the closest I've ever been. <laughs> so that's what ended up happening. I immediately said, I'm going to the pyramids, and I'm going to climb them. So I just jumped on a camel and took off toward the pyramids. Made it to the pyramid and climbed it. I got the viewpoint on top of the one pyramid that's there. I uh, found some tombs that I could go into. And I was like, mm, I'll come back to those later. I just want to do some exploring right now. And I accidentally ran into the Sphinx. I didn't know that was where I was. But I heard Bayek say, oh, there's the Great Sphinx. It's a lot smaller than I thought it would be. I was like, haha, that's funny. So I climbed on its face, tried to break off its nose, stuff like that. And I landed behind it. And he said, oh, a hidden entrance. I was like, what? So I climbed into the Sphinx and went down into this, this underground tomb and came upon this room. Did you do this, Matt? No, I didn't do this yet. Oh. I climbed the pyramids, but I haven't climbed the Sphinx. Okay. 
So I have to I have to talk about this because this is what I did this entire play session. So I went into the Sphinx. There's a tomb up under. There is a room that is like a dome room. So it's like a dome ceiling. Mm-hmm. And it had one shining beam of light coming down onto this map of the entire region. And I was like, oh crap, we got some Indiana Jones stuff here. Yep. That seems pretty cool. And I was like, all right. And I looked up at the light and it was, <gasps> it was a constellation. And I was like, oh shit, I've only got one constellation so far in this game. I wonder what happens if I get all the constellations and come back here. So I proceeded. Oh, it's an endpoint. Yes. So I proceeded to go find all the constellations. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And I have no problem saying this. I use the fact for this because it's going to take forever to find them. Yep. I've got, I think, four. So there's 12 in all. This took me about four hours where I knew exactly where to go, but I had to travel the entire map to get to them. (laughs) I traveled the entire map, got all of the constellations. I then returned back to the Sphinx. Now something else happens. I activate this table that then opens up. And I can go even farther in. And Bayak says, I don't know what this is. This is not Egyptian. He slides down into this gigantic chamber. I'm talking it's huge. And it's made of some kind of weird material that I don't think exists in this world. Mm. And you come up to this pedestal. And... It says you need 50 silica to open this. Now, Matt, do you know what silica is? Uh, Within the game? Yes. Yeah, we've seen it once or twice in the game so far. Is it... uh, It was the... It was the hyena that had a bunch of it, right? Yes, you're correct. So, silica is a compound in this game. It's almost like a currency. And uh, it glows and has a mystical aura to it, is what the description says. And uh, I have ran into a few places that require you to use silica to activate something. Um... Where do you find silica? Well, you find it in tombs. Uh, there's usually about f- four or five pieces of silica just lying around in tombs throughout the entire tomb while you're solving the puzzle. Now, I really wanted to know what happens when I put <laughs> 50 silica in this thing. So I then proceeded to do probably about 30 tombs. Holy crap. I ran around this entire... You must have some kind of tangent in this I, I went on. I went on a mission. 
that's amazing. A mission from Unmoon himself. And I went to all, not all the tombs, but I went to tons of tombs and got silica. Along my journey, I ran into a specific tomb that was crazy. So there is two tombs that are next to each other. Uh, and I can't remember what region it is in, but you'll know it when you see it because it looks like a giant crack in the ground. Mm. And it's probably about four stories deep. I dropped down in there and there's a lot of silica there. So I collected it. And then there's also another one of those chambers where you can activate by putting silica in. Well, this chamber required five silica. And I said, later, I'm going to keep my silica <laughs> for whatever this big 50 thing is. So, uh, Needless to say, I got 50 silica. I activated the uh, the mechanism. I think it's called the ancient mechanism. And I got a cutscene of a person talking. So it's basically like an audio recording of a person talking in modern day terms talking about psychological things and how we are uh, more than what we actually perceive to be. I mean, it's, it's like some, like, you know, very philosophical stuff. Yeah. Kind of esoteric conversation. Yeah. And like this, this world is more than what we see it. It's more than what we perceive. We can actually control this world more than what we think. We just have been, you know, held back by whatever reasons kind of thing. And I was like, okay, so this is weird. Sure. And then they give me, uh, uh, this armor. So I get this armor that, uh, looks like alien armor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I will equip that and I look like a badass. Now, to my knowledge, this armor does nothing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was kind of a big letdown to me. I'm like, really? Like you can't just like say, Oh, you don't take fall damage anymore, which would be, yeah. it's not necessarily a broken thing, but it, this took probably about six hours worth of work to do. And that was with me going by a fact. Yeah. Wasting no time. Yeah. And I'm just like, mm, it's still cool. In fact, I'm going to wear it for the rest of the game. But I was like, don't think it was worth it. But I'll tell you what it was worth was the tons of XP I got while doing these these little adventures. Because every time you discover a region, you gain XP. Every time you finish a tomb, you gain XP. And I leveled up probably about to level 24 just by running around. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, they set you on that path since we did ten levels to go here. Yeah. On top of that, while I was running around doing these tombs, I also ran into another quest. I found this quest to be interesting because it was completely a different color than any other thing in the game, as far as the quest marker goes. It was blue, and it just wanted me to stand on this cliff. 
and observe something. So I stand on this cliff. A meteor comes down from out of the sky and crashes into the sand. I go to investigate <laughs> it. It reveals a new tomb. So I go to this tomb, and it has the Roman numeral 15 on it. And I'm like, hmm, okay, this is a puzzle. So I went back outside, and you have to... There's like a sundial where you have to get the sun to align properly and these little things open up and you have to shoot them with arrows. And then you run back down and I get the weirdest freaking cutscene ever. So there's a dude who is encased in what looks like ice or crystal who breaks out. And there's another being that's flying in the air that shoots a bunch of swords down at him. And he then disappears and flies off into the night and there's a sword and shield left right there. I pick it up and it's the sword and shield from Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> it, was a, it was a character from Final Fantasy 15 and I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I vaguely remember somebody talking about Final Fantasy stuff in this game. I was like, okay. But huh. uh, yeah, I got the sword and shield from Final Fantasy 15. On top of that, I also got one more thing. I have a new mount. It's a chocobo. Wow. I have a chocobo. <laughs> in Assassin's Creed. In Assassin's Creed. In in space armor. So do you know what it, was it that entire series of of quests and all the constellations that led to your ability to see the meteor or do you, was that just random? No, no, I, I'm pretty sure that was just some kind of like special event quest that they added for Final Fantasy 15. Apparently, this game and, and Final Fantasy 15 came out around the same time. Yep. And they just had like a little collaboration event, and that was what they did. Mm. No, this, this, I don't think this had anything to do with that. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happened in my playthrough. <laughs> um,. Yeah, that, that is that is pretty amazing, actually. I mean, that's like a that's almost a half a game's length of content that you just did almost randomly and not necessarily, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't plan on any of this. I just went to the Sphinx and said, "Oh, I wonder what happens if I do this," and then I did that. And I said, "I wonder what happens if I do this," and then I got that armor, and then I was just roaming around and got. I ran into a Final Fantasy character and and then went and killed some dudes. I, like I, like at that by the time I made it to the Scarab, I was like level twenty four, and I was just mowing guys down. Yeah, I, I imagine they didn't expect too many people would have done that just before that series of uh, assassination targets. Yes, so I I technically broke the game for the for like the next three targets. <laughs> Not necessarily meaning to. It was just like, oh, I'm getting XP for this and this and this and this. And oh, I leveled up. Um, yeah, it never feels like too much when you're just walking around normally. But if you stack up that type of a globe spanning or region spanning adventure, yeah, it certainly can add up. When you travel the entirety of Egypt, yes, you, you, <laughs> you're, you're now well experienced. So. Did you do any of exploration at all, Matt? Besides just climbing the pyramids? Um, 
Not, not really. Not not anywhere near that extent. I, I've just done some roaming around looking for question marks, right? Whenever I see question marks on the map, I'll tend to trek out to them and see what's up. But that's about it. I haven't done anything kind of more than that or exotic, more exotic than that for sure. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I do suggest at least just roaming around every once in a while. I'd go to a new region and say, all right, give me a, a point where I can like fast travel to. So that way, just in case I need to come back here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the way I've been handling the, the new places as well. And that's, that's actually really helped me out as far as, you know, I've got these four quests. I've now got to go to a new region. Oh, well, I've already been there, so I can just kind of fast travel to it now. Yep. So I just, which I, is nice because yeah, the, the more it sprawls, the worse it would be, but they, you know, the, they do make travel in this game pretty easy as, as you kind of mentioned last week. Yeah. So I, I'm fine with, I'm fine with cutting a lot of the fat out of the, the stuff whenever it comes, gets to brass tacks. So that's exactly what I did. So I, I, I just traveled the world getting fast travel points. So that way when it time, when the time comes on me to play through the game itself, I can just fast travel there. So, yeah. Um, so the Scarab, first one on the list. Um, obviously, we try to figure out who this person is. We get these rumors. We always get these little cutscenes showing these people wearing their masks. Uh, and, yeah, the, the Scarab is uh, pretty hardcore. Um, if anybody kind of gets in his way... He will take you out to the desert and bury you in the sand up to your head and let you just die. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how many of those people die from just dehydration versus getting like eaten by animals. I would assume that's a good question. I would assume probably dehydration or possibly even suffocation because wouldn't you couldn't you suffocate pretty easily that way? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. If the wind's blowing, it can blow all that sand right in your face. You can't clear your face. Yeah. I mean, they they do make a comment at one point about how how long you'll last or how long a person would last. And so it leads me to think that it's mostly just dehydrating and dying of no other, you know, nothing else needed. But, right. But I'm sure some people get eaten. You can't really, I mean, you can't stop anything from doing anything if your hands are underground. Right. So uh, the first first little piece of information that we get is that there was a man who was kidnapped and tortured by the scarab uh, who's being held in this, this area. So we go and rescue that man. And unfortunately, he can't talk to us because he has had his tongue ripped out. Yeah, they, they, they cut off his tongue. Uh, but they... Uh, they do mention that uh, we should go. Uh, so we take him back to his family, and his daughter is there. And his daughter suggests, "Why don't you go find my husband? He can probably help you out with that." Uh, so we go search out this man, and uh, he is kind of like trying to take over this this small city um, by being like a protector. Uh, Bandits keep coming into town, uh, and uh, during this time, bandits come into town during a uh, sandstorm. Uh, 
So we have to help him by uh, fighting off these bandits during the sandstorm. Uh, this game I thought glitched on me for a second because I killed everybody there and the guy still just stood there. And I was like, are, are, are we done? What, what are we doing? But he finally kind of got out of that. Mm. Um, I think this was the fight. I actually had quite a lot of problems with this fight. Oh, really? This is the one where you're kind of half inside a building and it's you know, a sandstorm and you're kind of on the middle of a sand dune and right. there's people around the pillars. Yep. Yeah, I, I, this one probably took me over ten tries. Really? Yep. I was not one, getting one hit killed, but it was basically three hits and I was dead. And, uh, you know, any one of those clowns I could take out one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one pretty easily, but... You know, at some points there was three or four or five, and sometimes this guy that we're with, Taharka, is distracting them, and sometimes they ignore him and come after me, and anytime there'd be three or four, I'd just a little too eager to get an extra hit in, and then I'd get comboed and die. So, yeah. I don't know. It took, a, took a little while for sure, but actually, I had to set my controller down and like walk away for a half hour. Oh, snap. You and got, then You got, got a little upset with it, did you? No, not really upset with it. I was just like, look, I'm not getting any close. Like, so the first time I went in and got killed. The second time I went in and I got, like, all the way through and then died at the next section. And it put me back. And then the next, like, eight to ten times in a row, I barely got in there and I died. I'm like, look, I'm just not getting any better at this at the moment. So it was a little bit of frustration, but mostly, like, I just need to clear my head. Yeah. Came back a half hour later and, like, per the norm, like, I beat out my first try. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. The 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 one thing I have to give this game, uh, criticize this game for is the fact that while you're exploring and if you die while exploring, it starts you back relatively close to where you were. But if you're in a mission, get ready to go back a ways. And yeah. I'm just like, oh man, really? I'm back here. I didn't get like a checkpoint in between there somewhere. Yeah, that, that that hit me here, but yeah, it hit me once or twice yeah. elsewhere in the game as well. But uh, yeah, but after fighting off the bandits, he's like, all right, you've proven yourself to me. I'll help you out. I'll try and help you find this scarab guy. He's like, well, let's go back to the house. We'll have a, we'll have a nice dinner and uh, we'll talk over dinner. Okay. At that point... I was thinking, so, all right, hmm. before this, I, I started noticing a pattern. I noticed the pattern of, we need to find somebody and assassinate them, right? Well, we never know who the person is. And I was thinking to myself, right before this, this series, wouldn't it be interesting if you never knew who the person was until the very end and you thought it was an ally. <laughs> and lo and behold, Bayek sits down for dinner. He's sitting with the guy's child and his wife and, well, the poor grandpa that had his uh, tongue cut out. And uh, uh, he pours you some wine. Bayek drinks the wine and starts to feel a little woozy passes out and when he wakes up he's in the middle of the desert buried up to his head in sand 
I like that there was no interim here either. Yeah, there was it goes no straight from yeah him passing out to him being buried. <laughs> that was that was probably one of the best parts about it because usually you get that whole seeing him yeah. like being drugged while being dragged away or something like that. Nope, it was pass out and then immediately wake up in the desert buried. And I was like, yep. "You did it, you sly devils!" And I was like, "All right." <laughs> I, I at this point I was like, "This is awesome." I was like, "This is this is fantastic." And then the the and so like you you take over his biac in the desert, <laughs> and you're just like, "All right, so what do I do?" So I, I was like, "All right, well, I can call Sinew." So I called my bird, and I was like, "That's not doing anything." <laughs> I was thinking maybe I send the bird to help. You know, you'll get help. And then finally, the game said. Hey, idiot! Call your friggin' horse. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. same thing for me. Yeah, so I was like, oh, okay. So I called my chocobo. <laughs> <laughs> and my chocobo came and had pulled me out. <laughs> uh, and at that point, we were like, all right, well, we know who it is. I'm gonna go kill him now. Yeah. And I, I feel like the the set the setups are. Better than the assassinations in this game, because I've done more assassinations than you have, and I can safely say that the assassinations in this game, with the exception of one for this play session, are a little bit lackluster. Just yep. a little bit, um, because it always just feels like, oh, they're in this area that you've been into before. All you have to do is just go find him and kill him. You know, and he's going to be heavily guarded. So, you know, obviously you expect a fight. And I'm like, okay. But it feels like the, the setups to these assassinations are far more interesting than the assassination itself. Is that how yeah, you feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. But I just, I haven't felt that as much of that connection to the setups. I, I do think they're better than the assassinations. What I get from the assassinations, I I still like, and it's kind of what I like about the game because you you can end up just in some of these fights where you can pick people off here and there, and you, you know kind of wind your way to the end boss sometimes, or you know accidentally kill somebody. You know, aside aside from the one that does feel more like a like a boss fight. Uh, so I mean they're okay. I, I kind of wish they were more like set pieces but even without that um you know they're i guess they're, they're a way to advance the story as it is so i guess i'm i'm generally fine with the assassinations but the setups themselves i enjoy them except that you know as i mentioned right before we recorded that i don't feel like i'm spending much time in them like that scene where you're sitting down with Taharka's family, I wanted more of that during the setup. Yeah. You, I, and I understand where you're coming from. You, you don't get to care about these villains long enough yeah. to, to care about killing them. That Yeah, exactly. What, either whether they're bad, and I, you know, I, I really don't get that texture of how shitty are people's lives because this person's come in as some kind of baron and... 
you know, ruined their lives and, and taken every tiny cent that they've earned. You know, I, I don't get that desperation, that feel. So when I kill them, they're just another character, just another enemy to kill. And even this one where, you know, where you've, you've kind of been betrayed a bit. I, I, I never felt close enough to feel betrayal. Yeah. It was a cool twist, sure. But, you know, when most of my game is wandering around killing crocodiles out, you know, out in the swamps and climbing towers and, you know, attacking camps of bandits... And and then I just go and I and I have a kind of a key story mission. It just seems to come out of nowhere. And again, maybe that's just the way that open world games are because there's so much else to do. You can't tighten up the narrative as much. And and I'm, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I, you know, I I'm actually liking this game a lot more than I was intending to. And I'm I'm a lot more okay with doing kind of the random stuff for for an hour or two on a given night. But, you know, but but it does lose some of that gravitas on the on the big missions. Yeah, I think because of that. I I, I fear though that if we extended the investigations of who this person is, it would bog down the game, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it would make it way more linear, right? And it would it would cut away from the amount of time that you're exploring this really cool environment. Yeah. I don't so, yeah, I'm a, I, I agree. I'm not even sure I want more of it. I'm just also not sure if I should be feel. I, I kind of feel like I should be feeling more when I'm playing it, and I'm like maybe maybe I shouldn't be feeling more. I don't know. I, I'm certainly enjoying it. I'm just not feeling emotionally invested in it at all. Yeah, I feel like. I hate to say it, but I feel like the story kind of takes second fiddle to the exploration in this game. And and that may be yep. the case with the majority of the Assassin's Creed. I mean, granted, I only played three of them. But, um... I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah that's that's a... I, I don't know how to remedy that. That's the problem. It's like, I don't... Yeah, like, exactly. I don't, Yeah, I have no idea how to make the, the villains more memorable to where it actually means something when you kill them. And I mean, there's a lot of little things you can do, and, and maybe they even are doing in this game, and I just haven't heard them. But like, you could always have more people, more of the NPCs, just kind of talking about things. But who who really pays attention to them anyway? No, they're just in my way. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's almost a in its in its way a nice distraction from not having to care as much about the characters. I mean, this isn't like. The Last of Us or God of War, you know, all, all these big, like, single-player story-driven games that not necessarily live or die on the story, but it's just a much bigger component of the, the package. Here yeah. it's there, and you know, it, it's it's there, and it's a part of it. It's just a smaller part. Yeah. Which, again, kind of right now, I'm, I'm okay with. I, I don't need more story. I just am wondering if this is all there is story wise or if i'm gonna i'm gonna finally find something to click with because this was a kind of a cool twist here but i don't know like my my favorite moments character wise uh, you know as, as we said last week are those moments right after you assassinate someone and you really get like their fears the right. bad guy's fears that's not something that comes up at all before before you kill them really and so you know the whole 
emotional heft of this character comes after I kill someone and for like 10 seconds. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that was a really nice tiny vignette and I wish, kind of wish there was a little more of it, but I kind of degree that it might change the pacing and change the game too much. Yeah, you're right. But I, I, well, needless to say, I didn't have any problem killing the Scarab. It was actually pretty easy. Yeah. Granted, at this point, I was overleveled. Yeah, I didn't have any problem with him. I mean, I didn't have any problem anywhere in the game so, as much as I did in that one, that one section with the bandits in, in the sand. Um, so we actually take a break from um, Bayek for a second after this, after killing the Scarab, which I should mention when we kill the Scarab, his whole family walks in, <laughs> including his son. He's like, you killed my dad. And he's like, yeah, well, he was, he was a piece of shit. Yeah, my, my big question there was whether Bayek was going to feel remorse at all. And whether they were going to tie that a little bit to his family having fallen apart in the past, right in the opposite direction, he lost lost his his kid. But you know, there was almost a nice kind of inverse synergy there that they could have played with. But he was basically just like, raise your kid better, <laughs> raise your kid, uh, you know, to go on a different path than his father was on. Yeah. So, um, I, I think, uh, we, we get to take over for Aya and we get a, uh, a taste of the, uh, I guess the, the old Assassin's Creed four black flag combat. Cause it's all yep. boat. Which combat. was pretty cool. Um, and uh, Aya is uh, out to rendezvous with, oh man, who is it? Uh, it's uh, Pompey. Pompeius Magnus. Pompeius Magnus, is that who it is? I think so. Who was another one of those guys who got part of the kingdom of Alexander the Great, right? Yep. I thought. Um, because she is wanting to... Uh, basically bribe him into helping out Cleopatra's cause. Um, it was mainly just uh, a bunch of sea combat, which I thought was pretty good. And it might yeah, pretty pretty strong change of pace. I kind of liked it. It wasn't very hard. I thought. No, I mean the only thing you really do is dodge arrow volleys shoot arrows and then when you get close enough shoot your fire bombs yep or ram the boat yeah or ram but uh did all that um and then cut back to Bayak uh taking on the hyena Uh, which uh, is the hyena in Memphis, or no? That's the uh, lizard. 
Yeah, I think the hyena was before. But it wasn't. It wasn't Latopolis, was it? I can't remember. Oh no, this is right near the. We usually start right at the base of the pyramids. Yeah, that's right. But um, the hyena one seems like it's a very quick one. There's no, like, real investigation. Yeah, and and there was a part of an investigation that somehow I finished without even knowing it. Because you kind of go into that little, like, mountaintop village. Not really a village, even. Just, like, the mountaintop fort. Where you've got some hyenas in cages and some packs roaming at the base. But somewhere in there, I think there was a tiny investigation that uh, all of a sudden it said I had completed. I didn't even know how. Yeah, it was basically the hyena is controlling like the, 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 the merchants and the trade there. And one of the merchants that you help tells us that she has a place out in the, the mountains. Yep. And when I first ran into it, it gave me the... You know, when you reach a which in, when you reach a new area, you have to like kill like I'm a, a, a boss animal, and I saw a boss animal which was a hyena. I'm like, oh, I get it. He sent us on a wild goose chase to go kill this hyena, like an actual hyena. <laughs> but I was like, no, no, there's actually something up here. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. That was his joke when he takes payment at the beginning. He's like, I'll tell you what I know. Hyena is not her real name. Yeah. Sucker. Hilarious. Haha. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, going up there, uh, we noticed that, uh, uh, there's a lot of, um, ancient texts and, uh, descriptions of a certain tomb. So we decided to go and check out that tomb, thinking that the hyena may have went there. And sure enough, when we get there, uh, there is a uh, some type of ritual that's being taking place. Uh, when we investigate, it seems as if uh, somebody has been trying to resurrect someone using these these uh, strange rituals uh, from the ancient times. Is what they what Bayek says. And uh, with using uh, the the aforementioned silica. Um, and as we are investigating this, we get ambushed by the hyena, which is a woman who uh, has been trying to get a hold of as much silica as possible um, via the trade routes uh, that she's been trying to control. So that way she could resurrect her daughter who died. And uh, we ruin the ritual, apparently. And she gets really mad about that. So we have not an assassination attempt. We have an actual boss fight in this game. Yep. Which was a complete change of pace. I did not realize that they had boss fights in this game. And so she uh, she hides uh, in a sandstorm again. Oh, another sandstorm. Uh, and is firing arrows at us. And we have to figure out where she is by watching the arrows come 
toward us and then chasing after her to attack her. She's got like a large health bar. It's it's straight up a boss fight. I was like, okay. But uh, after taking her out, she uh, we hit we get another one of those like death cutscenes. Uh, basically, it was like, look, you can't bring your daughter back, and you uh, you screwed over a whole lot of people and killed a whole lot of people just to try and get this done. And basically, what you're doing is uh, sacrilege. Yeah, and and again, I was kind of like, man, just think about all those people that have been screwed. Think about the reach of that greed, and that like, I, I mean, I, I guess self-centeredness. Matt, I believe your mic muted. Yeah, sorry, my mic's being a pain. <laughs> Anyway, the greed and self-centeredness. Yeah, and just all, all the yeah, all the people she screwed over, like that, you know, that really could have been a bigger story. Right? Instead of just saying, "Hey, this is a person who's, you know, totemically using the hyena as their as their mascot." You know, what what did we get early on in in that kind of quest line or quest to really make us be okay killing her. I don't know. I completely agree. This one, this one assassination or target just felt almost glossed over compared to the rest. Yeah, especially when try, you know, once again, I think trying to bring the daughter back from the dead is something that, hey, Bayek maybe could, could reflect on. You know, he himself has a dead child. Yeah. That he may have wanted to re- resurrect at some point. There's no pet cemeteries around there, and you know, like I, I just there's that's such a strong parallel to his biggest grief and the thing that drives him in literally this entire game. The how, how do you not draw more more connections there? I don't know. Let's I mean, see. Again, I don't point. want to harp on it because I really it doesn't bother me, or or I don't see it as a negative anyway. Uh, you know, it, it's just as soon as I saw that, I'm like, man, this is this could have been so much. It could have been such a big part. I wonder how many. Maybe this is you know, too broad a question, but how many assassinations are there per Assassin's Creed? And do, is there any way that that we think it would have been better or different had there been more like four or five rather than I don't know how many there are ten. Or 12? I don't know. I That's a that's a good question. And I cannot answer it. Because I cannot remember. But, yeah, I don't even remember how many I assassinated in the first game. I think 2 or 3. And I was maybe 20 or 30% of the way in. So again, maybe 10. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess you could have lesser targets... Or fewer targets, and you know it would. Um, you, could, you could flesh out those targets a little bit more. But that, but this one especially, I mean, somebody whose child has died and kind of goes crazy trying to bring them back. Well, I mean that that that's almost Bayek. 
to have him not even I don't remember maybe he did do it but I don't remember him reflecting at all like uh, I I understand your pain or I you know I, I would have done this myself if I could have or you know anything along those lines that's true he's merciless he's cold yeah he he doesn't take oh, any yeah. crap yeah but uh, the next target is the lizard who uh, is uh, now in Memphis. So now we go to Memphis. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been back to Memphis. I've been back to Memphis. Walking in Memphis. Walking in Memphis, indeed. But uh, did you did you do anything here? Uh, I just explored, really. I think I started the next quest, but really just spent the time wandering around. Gotcha. I, I got excited. I, I think the front gates that you see are actually what they styled the Memphis Zoo gates after around. Oh, really? Yeah. I wanna I wanna bring up some pictures and see how closely they correlate. Maybe maybe it was just themed, Egyptian themed, and I just assumed that it was based on on this in Memphis. But now that Memphis the city and Memphis the place, this game at least have some. Similarities, I I don't know, kind of cool. Memphis, uh, Memphis, Egypt was famous for its uh, big walls, right? And they have the the two massive walls. Certainly in game, I thought in real life, still right. Um, as far as I, I'm assuming, I guess Memphis, Tennessee is is named after M- Memphis. Yeah, must be, must be. I would assume, kind of like how Athens, Georgia is Greece. <laughs> Which that that actually, I I think when I left Athens, Georgia for that one time, I said leaving Athens, and I didn't realize that for months somebody thought I had been to Greece. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yep. It's like, well, it was a fun trip. It's not that exotic. To, it wasn't Greece. No, no, you were. You were right there in the uh, the outer parts of the northeast Georgia mountains. Uh, the only thing that city really has going for us is the University of Georgia. But uh, yeah, uh, I guess that's where we'll stop. Uh, I did do uh, the lizard, and after that you move on to the crocodile. Um, I will mention that uh, all of my leveling and experience caught up to me as soon as I hit the crocodile missions. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, what level? What level were you? Were you still over leveled at that point? At the point of finishing the lizard, I was over leveled. But as soon as I killed the lizard, it popped up saying, "Oh, you need to be level twenty eight for this," and I was twenty four at the time. And I was like, yeah, because they were in red. Like, "Mm, you may want to level up once or twice here. So I was like, okay, yeah. So I had to do a few side missions to get to the crocodile. I'm currently halfway through the crocodile missions. But, uh, yeah, we'll leave off with that. We do have two emails this week. Oh, nice. The first one comes in from Jeff. Uh, It's titled Assassin's Creed Origins. 
says, uh, I have a very pop- unpopular opinion in regards to this game and the series as a whole. I have played and enjoyed every Assassin's Creed game. This one, however, is my hands-down favorite. My enjoyment of these games comes down to two elements. First, the setting slash time period. And secondly, mm-hmm. how heavily it leans into the assassination Assassins versus Templars narrative. I think this game has my favorite open world in the series, which was uh, such a mix of environments from desert to extravagant cities to lush forests. I always enjoyed Egyptian lore and architecture, so it really landed with me in that way. I thought the relationship between Bayek and his wife was very compelling. It was also a very cool origin story for the Brotherhood of Assassins, right down to the origin of the logo at the end. Huh. Uh, I got Platinums for Origins and Valhalla. This is where I'm really wow. going to get criticized. Odyssey didn't land with me at all. The story of the Assassins was completely left out of this game. It was just an island after island with no real story involving the Assassins. Had the game been called 300, then maybe we had a new hit IP on our hands. But it wasn't a good Assassin's Creed game, in my opinion. Don't at me in Ken's voice. <laughs> Love the show, guys. Listen every week. Peace, Jeff from Alabama. Thank you, Jeff, for that email. Yeah, I was almost going to wonder, because for me, the, the Egyptian setting is a huge part of this game for me as well. Absolutely. I, I just love wandering around. And, you know, again, the, seeing the, the Sphinx, seeing the pyramids, and then now seeing the architecture in Memphis, like that, that all is just really, really compelling stuff. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm loving it. And I, I wonder if Odyssey loses that because there have been a few more Greek games Greek settings. That's true. Um, if I'm being completely honest with you, I feel like I know more about Egyptian, like ancient Egyptian lore than I do Greek lore. Like I have no idea when Assassin's Creed Odyssey takes place. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I'm assuming it's after Origins, but when yeah, so. when when was you know ancient Greece? Are we are we talking like you know, Julius Caesar times? Do you assassinate Julius Caesar? <laughs> and Odyssey, <laughs> because that would be kind of funny. I remember Assassin's Creed Syndicate. You know, took place in like the Victoria London. And there was straight up just a, I'm pretty sure it was a DLC for Jack the Ripper. And I was yeah. like, okay. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds awesome. I kind of want to play that. I own it. And maybe I will at one one day. I don't know. Um, but uh, when does Assassin's Assassin's Creed. I'm just thinking like between God of War and the the one Xbox One game that I had for ages, the Rise or Reese or however you say that game. You know, and then Rome Total War. I feel like there's just a lot more Roman set games than there are Egyptian set games. Oh. 
Assassin's Creed Odyssey takes place during the Peloponnesian War, which occurred throughout 431 to 404 BC. So this takes place before Assassin's Creed Origins. Yeah, because we were at, what, like 60? No, we're at 47 BC, or 43 BC. So this takes place, shoot, a long, long time. When the hell was Julius Caesar? (laughs) I have to know now. I'm sorry. Sixty BC. He was around. Okay. Forming a political alliance, it says. Born born in a hundred BC, died in forty four BC. Gotcha. It's five foot seven inches tall. Yep. Dude named his daughter Julius Caesarus. Come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Who does he think he is? George Foreman? I assume we'll find out at some point. No. Not Could be in this game. Well, I say that because George Foreman named all his children George. <laughs> <laughs> in some form or fashion, I believe. Um,. But yeah, no, I, that, that this is a hardcore history lesson for me because I don't I don't remember half this from high school. So, well, I do find history fascinating, and I th- I feel like Assassin's Creed does a really good job of of going back in time and kind of trying to put you in that world at that time. Yep. Um, yeah, it definitely does. I I find that fascinating. But, uh, yeah. Um, next email. I gotta bring it up. I forgot. Closed out of my Gmail, and that's what I get. <laughs> this one comes in from Chad. Uh, and his, uh, title was called I Was Walking in Memphis. Classic. There it is. Uh, it says, Howdy, crew. So by now you should have met Cleopatra and are working on your second list of targets. You may even be done with your second set of targets. Uh, Although the second set of targets aren't the most memorable bad guys ever, I still found them pretty interesting with their own distinct motives. In the Assassin's Creed games, the Templars or Order members usually have a fairly benevolent goal mixed up with their nefarious means of execution. For example, the Scarab wanted to build towns and prosperity for his people. However, he was very secretive, murdered and tortured many, and even cut out his own father-in-law's tongue to keep his secrets and reach his goals. Interestingly, the event surrounding the Scarab actually pops up again in the first DLC a little bit in an interesting way. The hyena was trying to uncover the secrets of the ancient first civilization that created man, uh, so that she could resurrect her daughter, ironically. The lizard, uh, well, should I talk about this or hold off? Yeah, you can. I mean, uh, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not on the edge of my seat waiting to figure out the lizard's backstory. Okay. Ironically, the lizard was a priest who didn't believe in the gods and rituals 
and was trying to undermine the temple because he thought the old religions misled and deluded the minds of the people. I'm not going to talk about yeah, the that's crocodile. That's a pretty good story. No, oh, yeah. Pretty good ca- character motive. The problem is you only see any of this for probably 45 minutes tops. Yeah. So, um, so I won't, I'm not going to talk about the crocodile yet because I'm not sure everyone has got that far. If you're enjoying the game, you may also want to consider the DLC if you have it. Uh, the events of this game take place immediately before the uh Greco-Roman occupation, whereas the DLC takes place uh, for years after the end of the main story, during the beginning of the Greco-Roman occupation. I lost my place. I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a crucifixion at one point, although not the one you were probably thinking of. It also opens up a new small map for the Sinai Peninsula. The second DLC takes place during the same period, four years after the main story, and opens up two new maps, one of which is pretty ethereal and fascinating as hell. Also, there are some mummy-like things to fight, so it does get a little fantastical, similar to the big snake, well, similar to the big snake battle about halfway through the game. So, spoilers. Does that big snake have a big face? Well, well, speaking of which, wouldn't that snake battle have been so much better if it had Bayek's face on it? (laughs) (laughs) It definitely would have. Uh, The first DLC takes about five hours to complete, and the second one about ten hours. I was also thinking about another idea for the Assassin's Creed series. I would like to see, but I'm not sure how well it would do. I like that they are not releasing the new big Assassin's Creed game every two years instead of annually. However, I think an AC spinoff would be interesting for the off years. In between the main series titles, I think it would be kind of cool if they released a Resident Evil Revelations episodic type game. Each episode would feature a small scripted animus sequence with an ancestor, maybe bringing back an old Assassin's Creed protagonist for a short sequence while starting and ending with a modern-day story event. Uh, People could complain about the modern-day stuff in the AC games, and they have been streamlining and scaling that back over the years. But there are a lot of people like me that follow the modern-day stuff and love it. Having a modern-day bite-sized story in between the main entries seems like it would cater to all fans of the series. Just a thought. Till next time, Chad. Well, thank you for that, Chad. And to be honest with you, as much as I am loving this game, because I do love this game a lot, I, I'm i considering buying the DLC. Obviously, we won't do it for Phoenix Down, but in my off time, I think I would really enjoy playing the two DLCs that released. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I I I like I said I I'm having I'm having a ball with this game. I obviously I am because I spent roughly around 6 hours just running around this place just doing random stuff. I I did have a goal. I wanted to see what what happened at the 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 Sphinx's tomb. But uh I had a lot of fun just doing that. 
It wasn't just me looking yep. at a map and going to a fact and doing this and that and doing this and that. I had a good time doing it. Um, so I, I, for some reason, and I can't really tell you what that reason is, this game has scratched that itch for me. Like I am legit enjoying the crap out of this game. Like it's it's one of my, I said it on Twitter, I'll say it here too. I feel like this is one of my like my top 20 games of all time kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, granted that story, the story is not the best in the world. The, the, the characters are okay. I like Bayek. All right. I like his wife. All right. Uh, the villains are kind of meh, but the world itself, I freaking love this world. The way this game is structured, everything like that, like that's why I feel like you know I may I'm probably going to fall in love with Odyssey if when I play it because you know I I'm not the biggest part of the story you know I'm more of the exploration and if that game's got that then I'm all in. So, Matt, what about you? You still still on board with it? Yeah, definitely still on board with it. Again, liking it more than I thought I would, and just overall really liking it. Uh, I, maybe not quite as much as as you are, but I I just I love wandering around this world. I love exploring. I love the combat, and uh, you know I I kind of love Egypt in the game. So I mean all all, all of that's been really fun to just kind of explore, and. I th- this is got an interesting mix for me of again being able to sit down and play for twenty minutes again or being able to sit down and play for two hours and either one feels equally as kind of comfortable yeah and that you know that that's really good for me because I never really know on a given night how much I'm gonna be able to play so uh, I've I've never like I've never turned the console off and felt unsatisfied with a gameplay session and that that's really good because even even games I love sometimes I don't feel like I've made any progress or I feel like I've wasted time or you know I I, I don't know for, for whatever reason I might not have enjoyed a given play session that hasn't happened at all in this game right yeah I think it's um I don't know I don't know how to explain why I fell in love with this game I think it's just the setting and the, and the exploration and the, the little carrot on the stick of finding this one thing and then stumbling upon something and just be like, oh my gosh, what the heck is this? You know? So, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I think it, I think it will, like the game started off kind of, kind of narrow and then it broadened out and I think it, toward the end it's going to get narrow again like we're gonna try and you know get a little bit save Aya from something yeah get a little closer to to something kind of big I think yeah so that if if it did that it would elevate it even more for me yeah yeah and I I think it will I think it will but uh, yeah that's uh, that's gonna be it for us uh, if you'd like to send us an email please do it's drew at ztgd.com uh, you can also tweet to us I am at DML Fury 
Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTGDFinksDown. But uh, that's going to be it for us. I don't know where we're going to make it to next week. Um, so, full disclosure, um, I will be able to record next week. The week after next, I'm not going to be able to play any of this game. I'm not going to be able to do anything as far as recording goes because I am going to be gone on vacation. So, I'm going to put as much time as I can to into this game. Possibly beat it this week. But if you can't, Matt, that's totally okay too. So... Mm, Let me see what I can do. (laughs) I'm just just going to try and get as far as I can in it. Yep. For the next recording, at least. But yeah, that's going to be it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. Uh, But until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're gone. Hope you guys have a great week. And we'll be back next week with the continuation of Assassin's Creed Origins.